Hey, hey, welcome back. This is the DBU Athletics Podcast, and this is episode number six. I'm your host, Brendan Smith. Glad you're here, and we are over halfway through this first season of the podcast, and we're going to shift gears slightly this week and talk to two coaches from two different programs at DBU. Dr. Blake Flickner, the head men's basketball coach, and Callie Taylor, the head cheer and stunt coach, get into a deep dive into the world of coaching. And it's interesting because while both of these coaches have very different daily tasks, they encounter similar things when it comes to actually coaching and being there for their athletes. Uh, This is a great discussion where they dive into developing a culture, building a team, and just really the overall challenges they face in helping their athletes grow. So young and old coaches alike, I think you're going to find something in this hour that can challenge you. A quick background on both of these coaches. Coach Flickner has a very impressive resume. Came to DBU after several years as an assistant at the U.S. Naval Academy. Spent two years also on the staff at Colorado State. And he began his coaching career as a student assistant at the University of Kansas under the legendary Roy Williams. Uh, Coach Taylor, she's been at DBU since 2019. Helped launch the stunt program. In fact, that has just received approval as an emerging NCAA sport. That ruling came down in May. Callie helped spearhead that charge. She was also named the 2023 College Stunt Coaches Association Division II Coach of the Year. Uh, Callie also serves as the head cheerleading coach. She's also the spirit coordinator, and she graduated from the University of North Texas, where she was the captain of the all-girls cheer team. So two coaches with impressive resumes, two coaches who understand what it's like to work with athletes every single day. It's coaches talking about coaching, and this is a great episode. Let's get right to it. Episode six of the DBU Athletics podcast with Dr. Blake Flickner and Callie Taylor. Glad you're with us. Uh, What camp do you guys have right now? We had an ID camp okay. yesterday, which is, uh, I mean, get kids pay for an hour session. We just train them for an hour, and then another group comes in, or uh, they can do multiple sessions or or just one. And, yeah. So it's just kind of a la carte. Is that the one that you guys are doing, like, all over the state? Like, you'll you'll take it to we have Houston? Done some or satellite camps. Yeah. yeah, we did. Went down to San Antonio and Houston and did the same thing down there. And, um, yeah. Has you found anybody through those, like, any – players or anything through those um not necessarily it's not it's not strictly a recruiting tool although it's it's an opportunity to see kids but more than anything we're just trying to help and i think it's good to get dbu name out there and market a little bit and um yeah provide some income to the program sure what have camps been like for you yeah so we're actually in a camp right now but it's our team camp so cheers a little different we um to qualify for nationals for us in april we compete in a college camp this you know start this Friday um and so we have practices leading up till this Friday when we leave and then Friday Saturday Sunday we basically have a competition camp against other division one two and three schools um to qualify for nationals yeah yeah and we host other camps throughout the summer too um kind of like what Flick was saying with just providing income to our program but um we also use it as a recruiting tool yeah well it feels like you guys the y'all's two programs do camps really really well and that I don't, I just don't, I don't know how you came up with the, I guess the idea of, of to do the satellite camps and, and, and how those became successful because y'all, y'all's are always packed. It seems like. 
Well, we we had to be creative for a long time. Um, I mean, for a decade or more since I was at DBU. I mean, we were trying to do camps, and it just wasn't it wasn't very uh, it wasn't beneficial in the ways that we wanted it to be. You know, to really to do a camp, you don't want more than ten kids on a goal. Um, and you know, a lot of schools, you know, they've got. 20, 30 goals, you know, with kids sure. everywhere and hundreds of kids. And it just didn't work with our facilities. And so, you know, trying to figure out how do you do camps and our goals don't raise or lower. So to do youth camps, you know, kids need lower goals, but you can't move our goals. And, um, you know, so we didn't do kids camps. We tried to do, you know, camps, but just didn't have a lot of success with them for a, a long time. Um, but kind of stumbled upon this model and it's, it's been good for us because it allows us to not have too many people at, uh, on a court, on a, on a goal at the same time, but still get mo- a lot of people through the gyms because we just shrink it down. All right, we'll just we'll go for an intense hour, and then you're out. And now no, another group's coming in, and you know we'll do that, and that allows us to get you know more than than ten or fifteen kids. You know, if you only got fifteen kids all day at camp, you know that's um, that's kind of limiting. But if you can do 15 or 20 for an hour, 15 or 20 for another hour, 15 or 20 for another hour, 15 or 20. Um, and then I think they've really enjoyed it because it's not a, it's not a babysitting. Uh, you know, I've been to camps before where when I was a kid, I went to some camps where I played less basketball at camp than I did when I was at home. Not <laughs> you were at, at home shooting on your goal. Yeah. And you go to camp and it's like swim time and video time and Hey, come listen to this, you know, watch these other people play basketball time. And you know, that's, I didn't want to do anything like that. So I think it's beneficial because it's it's like a college workout, you know, so they're getting some training, they're getting pushed and um, yeah. Yeah. Why are yours successful? Yeah. So we always host a couple kids camps, um, which have always been a reoccurring thing, but also too, we get a lot of the same kids back and families back, which is always fun. Um, and then our camps that we host throughout summer, fall and spring, we always host like one in the summer, a couple in the fall and a few in the spring. Um, they're all high schoolers. So, um, those are big recruiting tools for us. Um, a lot of those kids that we see starting their junior years, they come back every single semester going into hopefully coming to DBU. So, um, they've been great. They, um, how we kind of structure them is pretty similarly to how we run practices. So we, I try to incorporate a lot of things that we do in practice so they get a good idea of what it looks like to come to DBU. Um, sometimes those include a tour of campus led by our athletes. So they get to see what a townhome looks like and a brownstone here at DBU looks like. And so, um, yeah, we just make it really personal and, and casual. So it feels very welcoming. I feel like in a lot of these camps, I, even with like my nieces and nephews who are growing up and it's, it's, Hey, pay all this money and you're going to have this opportunity to come and, and be at our camp. Like, is there a bunch is just, I don't even know the right word for it. Um, I, I guess just wrong intentions from some of these places that are trying to get kids to come in from for camps. Have y'all seen that just from the outside perspective without throwing anyone under the bus? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've seen that and I, I think that's happening. I mean, I know a lot of kids that I talk to that were recruiting and y'all you know, talk to them. Well, who, who else is recruiting you? What other schools you're talking to? Well, I got invited to so-and-so's camp sure. and I just think that that's not recruiting. Mm-hmm. That's there. That's something different. And um and but they're being led to believe that that's that's what it is, um, and so yeah, that's uh, um, at least in in my world in the basket basketball, um, I think that's sometimes used that way. But I think in general, what I see is a lot of families that look at sports as recruiting opportunities or college or scholarship, and I just think that's that's really unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's not. 
to me the big picture of what sports should be about in my own kids' life. Like I, I know my kids have really enjoyed their sports over the last few years and they're enjoying having a high school experience, but I've got no delusion that they're going to be high major athletes and go on a full ride scholarship to college or this or that, but I've seen them grow in their work ethic. I've seen them develop confidence. I've seen them develop uh, social skills and I love that. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of what sports have, have done for my kids. Like I see it in their life. Uh, but I talk to so many parents, like they're paying all this money with the expectation that, you know, they're going to get their school paid for and it's going to be free. And that's like, that's not why we're doing this. Right. That's not what this is about. Um, and uh, I think that's unfortunate, and that's it, it. It it makes it a transactional thing. I'm just doing this to get this result, um, but we know in life, you know, that's not the way God works. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know how the end result's going to play out, and so you do your best, and then you see where where the journey takes you. Do you see any of that in the cheer and dance world? Yeah, I think some recruits think they can spend all this money, or they get invited to these big combines and camps for these schools, and they're definitely. Their, their just athleticism doesn't add up to where they're getting invited to. Um, and so they get invited, they pay all this money, and they expect something out of it, you know. And so um, I think you get that at any sport. Um, but I think what makes it different here at DBU for us, I always say, like, even if you don't want to come to DBU, come to our camps um, because then you at least get college experience. You get to be – you never know if you don't want to go here unless you just come and try it out. Um, and so we always offer that pretty open-ended too. How much has recruiting changed over the last 10, 15 years? Um, like how much of a, of a difference is it now to try and get a kid, to try and develop a relationship with? And what's the biggest challenge now as opposed to 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah, it feels, it feels more transactional. Um, uh, we've had conversations with um, parents and heard people say things like, you know, well, maybe we'll, we'll go there for, for a year and, you know, we'll try this out and, um, you know, it, viewing it like as well try this and then if that's not doesn't do everything that we want it to be then we'll go somewhere else and um and so i think there's a transactional feel from coaches towards athletes from uh athletes towards schools mm -hmm. from uh you know I, I see that and i sense that um the dynamics of what's happened in the nca that's been very player empowering through um the transfer portal and NIL deals and different things has, I think, added to that. And some, in some ways, it's uh, um, it was needed, but it's created some unexpected um, or unavoidable, maybe is a better word, some unavoidable issues that, that go along with it. And I think it'll be interesting uh, as we get more data uh, down the road to see how it's affected kids and their graduation rates or different things when, when students change schools so frequently um and uh and it's i think it's it's made it really hard for high school basketball players to be recruited because what i see is a lot of coaches that i talk to that are um not not that interested in recruiting high school kids you know because there's mm. 2000 college transfers that are available in the springtime and it's it's easier to maybe get a 20 year old than a 18 year old um, you know, somebody that's got a few years under their belt and I'll let somebody else develop them and then we'll we'll get them when they're a little bit old. It almost felt like the perfect storm, I think, with you had the pandemic in 2020 and then you had NIL stuff that came out and everything just exploded at once. That's I, I don't I don't understand how you guys how you guys do it. What's your experience, Callie? 
Um, so ours is a little different. We don't have a transfer portal yet. We will for stunt soon. Um, and we don't really have um, girls competing against other schools for NIL necessarily, which is nice, I guess, right now. We will probably deal with that at some point. Um, and so we don't really have that competition. Now, recruiting mm -hmm. obviously has changed a lot. Um, and for us, um, really, it just depends on your program what is different here at DBU compared to other schools. And so for cheerleading especially, we live in Texas where football is obviously a huge deal here. So we compete against schools that girls want to go and cheer for the big football schools. And we are not a football school, mm -hmm. so we don't have that. Um, however, we are a really good com competitive team and competition team and have been really successful over the last three years. And so, and we offer a different experience here than you get in any other school, being a Christian school that actually um, stays true to our beliefs and um, have a great discipleship program within our program too. So um, I started recruiting as soon as I got here. Before me, it was a tryout base and that was it. And so um, we're kind of getting to be the ones that kind of start that within cheerleading. Lots of teams still do tryouts. A lot of big division one schools still do tryouts. And so um, it allows us to be the like ringleaders of it and start something, um, which is great. Yeah, I want to talk specifically about y'all's teams here in just a second, but it seems like every program at DBU, it's, it's hey, we want to develop players. You know, we want to get players here early and then and develop them throughout. Is that a harder thing to do now because of the way that, that college sports is where, where maybe a freshman comes in and is like, well, I'm not playing. I'm just going to go somewhere else and play. I think it is. I mean, I, I've had conversations with other coaches that just have – use the language or said, you know, I, I don't feel like you can build a program anymore. You just mm. have to one year teams. You know, I just got to focus on having this team this year. Um, and I, I don't like that. And fortunately, I haven't felt that way here. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like we've been real, real blessed and fortunate that we have been able to have a culture and a program and develop guys over time. And I want to continue that. And hopefully we get the right kind of guys and families that are bought into that. But I, I sense that, um, frustration from some of my colleagues at other places that they they've just felt like um yeah the the landscape is such that um you can't plan two and three years ahead you just got to try and get through this year and then next year we'll worry about the next year um because you don't know just because someone's a sophomore doesn't mean they're coming back sure um and uh yeah, so it's it's changed the dynamics a little bit. One of the coolest things I remember from just flick with your with your program is I, I had the chance to travel with you guys in twenty thirteen, I believe. And I, I remember uh, it was Miles Johnson before he became, you know, a superstar. And I, I, he sat out his freshman year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in a, a gym and it, I don't forget I forget who we were playing and like, all right, Miles, you're the scout, and he's the best player in the conference. You come out here, and the way that he sold out, and it was like, dude, you can see this guy's got something. Yeah. And and he's and before you know it, he had a four year career, and he was one of the best to ever come through here. Um, just could you just speak on on that just development type of mentality for you personally, and how you're able to try and continue to do that even with the changing landscape? Yeah, um, I, I think that's huge, and I think that's. Being able to take the long view um, is so important as humans. We we need to be able to look down the road and uh, delay gratification. There's there's so much research that's been done on just developing grit and seeing the the big picture and watching guys like Miles or others that have come through and maybe had a red shirt year and then gone on to be really productive and really successful or just you know maybe they're playing but not playing as much or not having as expanded of a role or you know developing. Uh, you know, certain guys, I remember when Patrick Burke first got here, he didn't shoot any shots outside of layups. And, you know, by the time he was he was done, he 
was a pretty good three-point shooter. You know, he'd expanded his game and was able to do more things. And, you know, finding that balance, that's actually something we talk a lot about. Coach Galeni and I are, are often discussing what's the connection between, hey, this is your strength. You need to lean into this and do this and don't try and do things that aren't your strengths. You know, really, really embrace your role and the things that you're really good at while at the same time, uh, you know, looking for opportunities to expand that. You know, where, where can we grow and add things in your toolbox and be able to do more things. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a really good coach that uh, I've heard talk about that they don't they do not do that. You know, he's, he's a very successful coach and uh, has done really well, but his philosophy is if you can't go left, well, then don't go left. Hmm. Just, just be really good at going right. And so there's that idea of like, hey, your strengths you need to lean into. But I also, you know, to me, coaching is about teaching. And, you know, I, I want to see, you know, guys uh, develop and – and grow as men, but, you know, as athletes, you know, how can you expand your, your basketball game? And so I think it's fun to work on things that you're not great at yet. And I think the, the players enjoy that um, while still finding the balance of, hey, let's not overdo, in, especially in game situations, the things that you're, you're not your strength. So that's a, it's, it's a little bit of a, a challenge to try and balance those is, things. Is that puzzle what makes coaching just fun for, for both of you, just – trying to figure out what pieces fit where. And I mean, to me, it's, it's a chemistry experiment, you know, almost very literally, like how do we get these guys or these girls to all work together? Is that, is that what brings it you the most joy or is there something else about, about coaching that brings you the most joy? I think it brings the most joy because it is so hard. Um, I think it is so hard. We have 40 athletes. And so I have 40 girls that are 18 to 22. And so, so many different personalities. And I mean, this year, especially we have, I think I have 14 seniors and majority of them Mm. are four years that have been here all four years, which is crazy. That's huge, huge, a huge accomplishment for us. And um, so they're mature and they've been here and they've, they've seen it from the beginning. And so they have already paved the way and um, have been really here since I've been here. Um, and so it's challenging, but then you get to the end of the season, you're like, that was really worth it. Um, especially character development here. Um, cause we just have so many from so many different places and things that they've been through and it's all different. Um, that's why we, that's why I do yeah. it. I love cheerleading, but I love people more. Um, I have never coached because I just love the sport of cheerleading. You know, it's great. I've done it my whole life, but, um, I just, I care about the college experience and the time they have here because it was so impactful for me. So it feels like that was like my best time for me to grow as a person and athlete. So I just love being able to pour into them too. How do you do that with so many girls? Um, that's why we have multiple people on our coaching staff to be able to help with that. Um, we have great leaders on our team. It just takes a lot of time though. Um, I feel like that's majority of my time is, um, just personal development and leaning into discipleship and, um, it's just a huge part of our program. We talk about it all the time, every day, um, one-on-one meetings at the, you know, multiple times throughout the semesters, making sure we're spending time with them one-on-one, maybe not in the office, sometime outside, or, you know, we change it up to make it different, um, just to make sure they feel cared for, um, because they go to so many other places and they say like, I want to, I want to build you as an athlete, as a person, but like, do you actually re- really want to do that? Is that really your priority? Cause a lot of places it's not. Um, and I've seen that. And so it is our priority here and our girls feel that for sure. And that's why they stay for four years, yeah. which has been awesome. It's like you're smiling at that. What are your, well, what I was are your just thoughts? laughing because I was thinking as she was talking, I've seen uh, some common phrases like FOE family over everything or these t-shirts and people love to have these logos and slogans. Um, that don't always reflect reality. And um, yeah, we, we joke about that and laugh about that all the time. Everybody wants to say they're a family. And uh, 
it's, it's not always that, and um, we want it to be that. And I, I think that uh, DBU is different, but uh, but sometimes I chuckle when when people um, say that, and I know um, that it's not. Well, then how how do you do that? Then it's it's a smaller group, obviously twelve to fifteen yeah. guys. What what are you doing to to try and and commit? Hey, we're, we are a family. Yeah, it's the same thing as relationships. Um, you know, spending time. There's there's no other way to get around that and um and i think too um being able to navigate the hard situations that happen you know when somebody's not playing as much as they want to and that's hard as an athlete and or they're not having the success on the court that they want to have and being able to to have a perspective that recognizes you know what i i'm i care about you as a person um regardless of if you like all the decisions i'm making or whatnot that that i still love you and um you know i still see great value in you and your worth is more than basketball and you've got you know bigger things and you know the things that you're going to do in life 40 years from now you know I, I believe in those things um even if i choose to not name you a starter or sure. you know, whatever it is that doesn't mean that that uh i don't love and care about you or see great value in who you are and um you know so being able to um, articulate those things and have those conversations hopefully in ways that uh, feel and resonate as, as real. You know, it's interesting because even for me in an admin role, when I'm just, I, I don't deal with players on a day-to-day basis, but when I do it, it becomes, as I get older, you know, I'm 36 now, it, it for me, it feels harder to connect with these students who, when they look up like, oh, you're ha- twice my age. Um, how how difficult does that become just to make sure you're individual? And I can't imagine with 40 girls to try and connect with each one of them on an individual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it helps. I'm 29, so I'm still young. Um, but still, um, times have changed so much. Sure. Generations still feel so different. My college experience is totally different than um, theirs now. And so um, I always just try to find common ground, and it can be really small or really big. Um, I always start off the year um, sharing my testimony pretty in depth, so that way they can hear that just as much of a human as you are. Um, and they can kind of hear about my life experiences to where, oh, she went through that. I've, I'm going through that now, or I've been through that. And I can connect with her in that way. Um, and we use our grad assistants also to help with that connection piece because they are younger. We always have grad assistants that have either been through the program or been through another program, but also are younger in age to help with that gap because we still get girls that are, you know, you're still the head coach and there's like that awkwardness of wanting to share deep personal things sometimes. And so to break that gap, that's why we have those to help with that, kind of bridge that there. You mentioned history and for both of you guys, it's really interesting. Um, just, you know, starting, you know, the UNT and all the success that you had and, and coach, I want to go back if, if we can too, for your days at, at Kansas as a student manager and, and, and all that, but just how do, how do you feel like that experience for you, Callie, as uh, you know, captain at North Texas, you were there for all four years, right? Um, how, how did that, whether it's the highs or the lows, and that that's part of your story, how did that change who you are now? Mm -hmm. So I actually went into college not thinking I was going to be an athlete. I just thought I was retiring. And then the Lord at 18. Yeah. Um, and then I just was really burnt out, honestly. And then the Lord put it right back into my life. I was like, Nope, here you go. And so, um, man, I can't imagine, I do not think I would be coaching now if it wasn't for it. Um, cause I never went into college thinking I wanted to be an athlete or even coach post-college. And so, 
Um, what were your plans? Do you know? Yeah, I wanted to be a buyer for I was I was a merchandising degree with a marketing minor. Okay. So I wanted to be in a buyer for a corporate office. And I did that for a few years out of school. And so um wanted to work corporate and then realized I was way too hyper to be behind a desk all day. <laughs> um and I needed to be with people all the time. But so I feel like my not only just like cheering in college and getting experience that and the different coaching staffs that I was with and the people that I was with and leading those people. Um, cause we were a co-ed team too. So, um, not just that, but also just my relationships I had with those people being at a big public school. And, um, I was obviously a believer in, in college. And so just those like challenges that I kind of went through and dealt with in college, being in a totally different environment definitely helped me, um, and have been able to help me now and, and, work with girls in different ways and process things with them. Um, yeah, it's, it's prepared me more than I thought it would. Um, and then you'll have coaches through high school and college and, and you see what they've done well and things that you want to, you know, continue to do just like them. That's helped you whenever you were an athlete. And then you see things you're like, Nope, I'm not, I don't want to do it like that. Yeah. I'm gonna do it totally different. Um, so I've had a lot of coaches help me in different ways, good and bad ways and, and help me know what I want to continue to do. And Who do you do. find yourself borrowing from most often? Um, to be honest, I really don't have one person. Um, and so, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, my high school coach was one that was a really good people person. Um, and she was one that really poured into me as a, as a person. And so, um, and I don't even think I really realized it in high school till now. Um, and I still will randomly run into her or talk with her every now and then. Um, and so, yeah, my college coach like taught me so many different things about organization and communication and things, which has helped me now too. And so, and I have a great relationship with her and I talked to her literally yesterday. And so, um, just maintaining those relationships, but I think I just pull from a little bit of everything. Yeah. It sounds more like it's the outside parts of coaching that they help you with the organization and the communication, not the actual, like, Hey, here's what we're doing when we're on the court. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's stuff that I've just developed over the last five, six years here at DBU. Um, and even, even before here, but, um, definitely I look back at my first year here and then I look now and it's like, I had 14 girls my first year and we have 40 now. Yeah. Um, and we are like a totally different program in all ways. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that's but, great. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to make sure I get your journey right, Flick, because it was Eastfield and then to Kansas to finish. Is that correct? And then back to Eastfield as a coach? Is that, yep. do I have that right? That's right. Um, obviously, Kansas jumps out because you're on a, a staff with Roy Williams and, mm-hmm. and you're getting to work with guys like Paul Pierce, who's a Hall of Famer. Uh, how much did, did that just change you as a person and, and make you want to do what you're doing now? Yeah, a ton. Um, having the opportunity to play at Eastfield was was a great experience and, and uh, scratched that competitive itch. Uh, but at the end of my playing days, my options to keep playing were fairly limited. I wasn't I wasn't a, a star athlete to be able to, to keep going at, at higher levels. The places that I was interested in weren't interested in me, uh, but I'd always been a, a Kansas Jayhawk fan. My dad had been uh, a coach there in the 70s. And even though I grew up in Dallas, I was I was the 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 Jayhawk fan and I had an opportunity to get on the team as a manager and um and be able to be around and that was a that was a huge opportunity for me uh that helped me as a coach because you got to see not just practice and games but things behind the scenes you know I was in the office every day and you know seeing how much goes on uh with the basketball program besides just practice and games and you know uh, I get asked by people all the time, you know, what do you do all day? Or what do you do during the summer? Like as if the only thing that we do is show up for games. And there's a lot more that goes into running a program than just that. And I got to see that and got to see it at a, at a really high level 
that was done with a lot of excellence. And that was huge and hugely beneficial because now, you know, as I got into to coaching and, and eventually had the opportunity to be, to be a head coach, sometimes you just default back to what you know. Sure. Uh, and I, I, I remember, especially early on, there were some things that I didn't even really understand why I was doing certain things. Uh, it's just what I had seen before. Um, and then I came to, over time, understand, oh, this is why we did those things. And this is why that was, was so important. Um, but, but early on, it was just, it was the experience that I had. And so that was, that was huge and, and really helpful, um, to be around, uh, you know, a great, great program like that. And then to, to Colorado state, then to Navy, correct? Yep. Like how, how did those come about before we get to DB? Cause I want to hear that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, uh, finished my undergrad at, at Kansas, I came back to Dallas, got a master's degree and actually, uh, volunteer coach coached at Eastfield where I had played. And then through a connection that I had a relationship with a guy that I'd done a basketball mission trip in Europe with, he knew another coach that was on staff at Colorado State, uh, Bill Peterson, um, who's now at, at Baylor University, and he's been in and out of the NBA and, and had a ton of experience and um, interviewed and was able to get on with the staff at Colorado State. And that was just an incredible opportunity uh, as well. Um, those coaches on that staff uh, were great mentors to me, learned a ton from them. Uh, coach Layer, the head coach, is now on Buzz Williams' staff at Texas A&M, who was one of the assistants uh, while we were at Colorado State. So, um, small got to world work with Buzz and Coach Layer and Coach Peterson and those guys. And um, eventually, at, at, as after I'd been there for some time and had had done a lot um, there, was kind of pushed to to pursue next steps. And you know, what what are the next things in terms of your coaching development, and that eventually led to an opportunity at the Naval Academy um, and worked for two different head coaches at the Naval Academy. Had a really good experience there uh, before before the opportunity at DBU. I want to tie both of y'all together, but first I, I want to hear why this DBU job, uh, what, what jumped out at you there, because it's a, a program that had been gone uh, and, and was coming back in 2005. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah. So I got here in 2005. We started playing games in okay, 06. 06. 07 was our first season. We had one year to kind of recruit and put a team together. Cause at that time, when I first got here, there were no basketball lines on the court. <laughs> there was no locker room or, or office. Um, so there was kind of all that was going on that first year that I was here. So I kind of officed out of a closet and recruited, uh, players that they would come on visit and I couldn't show them anything. There was, there was, there was no other players. There was no <laughs> records or, you know, Hey, we won this many games and you know, there was nothing to show, um, except just to sell a dream of this is sure. what we want it to be. And so guys like Eddie Gloviak, who was, I, I think the first guy to ever commit, uh, to come play at DBU during the, the D2 era since, since I've been here, um, you know, always hold a special place in my heart because he had to step out in total faith mm -hmm. and had to trust that we were going to have something that was going to be worth being a part of because I, there was nothing, there was nobody else to talk to, to, to hear what it was like. That's fascinating because how do you, how do you recruit to that? How, how do you, how do you do that? Uh, well, sell a vision of what you want it to be. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what we're after. This is the direction that we're going and this is who the university is. Obviously I think that's sure. a big part of it because I think in recruiting, um, you know, it doesn't, a lot of what we do doesn't matter. The university attracts, you know, the university is going to attract, um, uh, certain people and that's, that's a big part of it. And so DBU, you know, obviously is easy to sell and that's, um, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people that want to be a part of a school like DBU. So how, how did that 
when, when that job came available, what, what made you jump at it? And, and how, how did that, how did that even come across your, your desk, so to speak? Yeah. So I was, um, I was young, I was in my twenties still, and probably, um, younger than, than most people would look for in hiring a head coach. Um, but I had a list of a few hundred schools, you know, one, 200 schools all over the country that I was kind of paying attention to, you know, I was, I was watching job postings and, you know, and they seemed like a lot of them were division three schools, um, some Christian schools, some not Christian schools, uh, but schools that I thought had a good balance of the, the mission of what athletics was, you know, enough to support it and provide what's necessary to be successful. Are these head coaching um, positions at that point yeah, or just anything? Was, yeah, just looking for an opportunity okay. to maybe someday be a head coach. Didn't know when that was going to happen. Um, and, you know, was was probably a little bit early for, for me to be looking for head coaching jobs, but just, uh, you know, had some schools that I was watching, you know, places that I thought would be good good places to be. DBU was not one of them uh, because DBU didn't have a team. I didn't, I didn't know anything about DBU, but then I saw a posting on a marketplace, um, and here's this private Christian school in the city that I grew up in where I've got family. Um, my mom had cancer at the time, and so there were some different things that made it really appealing to get back to the Dallas area, um, and it just seemed like uh, pure gold, um, and I didn't know if I had any any shot at it at all, but it just seemed like something that was too good an opportunity to not at least go after and, and try for and so, you know, obviously prayed about it, talked to my wife about it. Her initial reaction was, we've moved too much. <laughs> she had uh, gone from Austin to Philadelphia to Colorado to Maryland, all within a span of four or five years. How long have you been married at that point? Um, two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she'd done a lot of moving around. And just in the time that we'd been dating and married, she'd moved across the country a couple of times. And um, so she was initially like, man, I don't I don't want to move again. We're happy here. This is a good spot. Um but it's, you know, things like that don't come open often. Yeah. And uh, we prayed about it and a few th- events happened that God used to help help shape. And then eventually she was like, yeah, let's go for it. And so we did uh, try to put our best foot forward and, and hope, uh, thankfully, God opened the door and gave us that opportunity. Yeah, it's not necessarily apples to apples with what you're going through, Callie, but still just with stunt recently, I guess it was by the time that we're recording this, it was yesterday mm-hmm. that they announced, hey, we're adopting the, the Lone Star Conference. We're adopting this as a division two or near NCAA sport. Um, what are what are you going through right now with a first year NCAA program, even though you've had a ton of success already? You've already won a couple mm-hmm. of national titles. Yeah. So I've been able to run as um, a club sport, but also too we were varsity, but not in, not NCAA. So we just had we were in the gray area, so it made it really easy. Um, so now I'm learning all the the things that I'm having to now be regulated by and stuff. So um, obviously all compliance things and challenges and all of that we're working through. But um, to be honest, it's been great. Um, the girls are excited about it. We're excited about it. Um, it just is able to promote our sport even more. Um, and yes, we've had so much success already in stunt, um, just being, um, a sport now for four years. And so, um, yeah, we're just excited for the future. Um, recruiting has been awesome. Um, we're continuing to build and grow and, um, develop and stuff. So it's been great. What's flick for you as you look at what Callie's doing, like what, again, even though it's not the exact same situation, what do you feel like is the biggest piece that, that you can look back on? Like, this is probably the biggest piece of advice I would give with a just now becoming an NCAA sport, first year doing this. Um, in, in your mind, what would you probably offer up to Callie? 
Yeah, one of the things that we wanted to do early on was create a sense of this is bigger than you, and it's even mm-hmm. bigger than just this this one year's team. Um, and there there was a, a big gap between the basketball program that DBU had had before and us, and so there wasn't a lot of records kept. There wasn't a lot of um, you know great alumni base or relationships uh, there, and so we wanted to try and um, heal some of those wounds and restore some of those relationships, but also start, you know, some new things because you, if you want to be a part of a program and a family and, um, you know, th- it's special to be an alumni here, then there has to be some, some relationships. And so we started, you know, we've got pictures of every team that's, that's been at DBU on our wall and, you know, starting to try and connect to, uh, you know, this is, these other guys have come before you and there's, there's, places where there's going to be other guys that are going to come after you. And this is a, um, I love that we've got alumni that are so good about coming back and spending time with our current guys. Uh, we get an opportunity to interact with them and, um, and try and develop those things. That was one thing that I had really seen at Kansas. Um, Roy Williams had come from North Carolina and the North Carolina and the Kansas basketball family is just legendary. Mm. The, um, the way that they, maintain those relationships. I mean, for me, I I was a manager, you know, I never, never stepped foot on the court or wore a Jersey or anything like that, but I get uh, complete involvement in uh, everything alumni related, Kansas basketball related, you know, invited to all their things and, um, and really feel a part of that. And I think that's really special. And and we want, we want to have that be a special thing here too, where, um, you know, anybody that's been a part of DBU basketball is a part of that program and that family. And so initially when you don't have those, those things in place, you've got to work to get that going. And then you've got to work to maintain it. Cause that doesn't just happen automatically. It's something that takes, uh, takes some effort. I want to, as we wrap up here in the next 10 or 15 minutes, I want to talk about just your journeys again as, as coaches in terms of like maybe your biggest regret when you look back. And so I'm going to give you a, I'm going to throw that out there. So you have a second to think about it. Um, while also thinking through, um, I think you both have some really good assistant coaches and, um, take us through just the relationship with those coaches. Um, because I, th- I think that's something that gets lost a little bit as, as for me, it, it might be hard to let go of certain things, but I need to. Uh, and, and so just how have you developed the the relationship with the coaches that, that you have had? Um, you've seems like, I think you, I don't know how long you've known th- thinking specifically about Maddie and then Ryan Glennie's been around multiple uh, stints with, with DBU, but um, take us through those, those relationships and how important they are and, and how much you're able to rely on your assistant coach to, to do things and, and maybe that's difficult for you. Yeah. So Maddie was on our very first stunt team in my very first year here at DBO. So she was a transfer sophomore. Um, and I actually, it's long story, but her mom actually hired me to be on a cheer, like a cheer staff um, about five years prior. So I kind of known Maddie a little bit, um, but I've known her mom forever. And so um She's really been with us through all of it. Um, So she cheered for me for three years, and then she was a grad assistant for two, and then now she's a full-time assistant. So got to see her as an athlete. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to be able to see her as a grad assistant and now stepping into a full-time coaching role. And so that relationship has changed and evolved, and 
Um, it's been really special to see because she's also been through it. She's seen me as a coach. She's been able to be an athlete for me. Um, and then she's able to coach with me. And then now she gets to be even more involved with what we're doing um, than she's ever been. And so, um, yeah, we just we obviously talk all the time. Um, we have a great working relationship, but we also have a really good personal relationship, too. Um, and so we just it's definitely um, it's evolved. It's evolved so much over the last five years. Um, but she cares so much. We just we align in everything as far as coaching goes and people goes. And um, when I'm thinking something, I know she's thinking it because she'll say it. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was <laughs> thinking. And that's why you're my assistant coach and you pick up where I, I leave off. So, um, yeah, that's been big time for me, especially moving into a new season of life for me. Um, I know Maddie will take over um, whenever I'm gone during maternity leave and just take over and do it very well. I have no doubt in my mind, um, which is very comforting um, because you need that assistant coach to be able to step into your role and be able to do it well. In terms of lead assistance, Flick, you've had two in my time here that have been here for a long time. And one of my favorite things to do if I'm sitting uh, baseline is just to see the relationship that you two have. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, it'll it'll get hot and maybe there's kind of words back and forth, but then it's immediately just, hey, we're, we're moving on. We're doing a job that that has to take a long time to develop. Yeah, and I've been fortunate to have um, just two um, uh, ass full-time assistants, not counting all the GAs that we've sure. had come through, but uh, Brandon Curran and Ryan Glennie have been awesome and um, really enjoyed working with those guys. And, and uh, Coach Glennie that I'm with now, he and I uh, just balance each other really well, and we challenge each other and push each other, and um, we have healthy um, – discussions about this or that uh, but we've been able to be uh, totally united and we enjoy hanging out our our families are close and um, yeah it's it's been really special and uh, I don't don't take that for granted and and uh, think it's really important in our in our program and thankful for those guys before we get to the the biggest regrets or the mistakes that you feel like you made and you roll your eyes at me coach you don't necessarily want to talk about it but uh, I, th I do think it's, it's interesting I, I do want to hear um, just in terms of uh, conflict resolution sometimes with coaches but mainly with, with players as well um, how do you guys deal with that because talked to coach wood a couple of weeks ago um, women's soccer coach here at DBU and, and how he's trying to navigate when when something comes up we're, we're trying to make sure we talk about it so when there's a conflict whether it's between you and a player you and an assistant coach or player to player or whatever how, what are your philosophies and how, how are you dealing with that yeah, so this one kind of makes me laugh and my girls would all laugh um, along with me. But um, I take conflict and we really just dive in head first. So whenever something happens, we bring us all together. We talk about it and we move on. Um, we As a team or with the people? Sometimes. That, yeah. And I mean, last year we had lots of team come togethers and after games or before games sometimes and was like, we got to figure this out. And if it's two people or it's all 40, I don't care. Let's bring us all together sure. and make sure it doesn't happen again. And so um, there's lots of one-on-one -on -one time too, but um, I don't stray away from conflict. I really um, find so much value in dealing with it, talking about it, being open and vulnerable um, and just communicating well about it instead of pushing it under the rug. Um, and my girls have learned that to where they know to how to deal with conflict within each other. Um, and I think that has been a really big, um, just moving forward with us just has been a huge um, 
definitely challenge, but also too, has, we've just seen so much fruit from it, especially last year. Um, we dealt with conflict a lot last year in a lot of different ways, not always bad, but um, we just dealt with it. And um, really thankful we look back and I look back in, in May a few months ago and was like, that was all worth it. And we're really glad that we were able to, to sit down and talk through it all together. Well, it says a lot too that you have success at a big, big level while still dealing oh, yeah. with that conflict and working through it's part of the journey i guess yeah it was our best season yet and we had the most conflict that we've had yeah. um and that's sometimes usually how it is you know um and that's just the challenge you get when you have 40 humans trying to yeah. um compete together but sometimes against each other right for different spots but also be friends and um it's just that's the challenge of sports but that's also it just teaches you so many life lessons and it, it may be a little different dealing with you know the 12 to 15 guys that, that you deal with flick as opposed to the you know the, the 40 girls that, that she's having to deal with and, and there's just different interactions that you guys are having to, to work through but what are you doing with with conflict resolution on your team yeah well foundationally for any relationships whether that's the relationship with our coaches or players um I think the bottom line is how would you want to be treated? You know, treat people the way you you would want to be treated. And for us, you know, a lot of what we do, especially when you think of like game situations, is very visible. You know, we're we're in the heat of uh, the moment, and it's all out out for people to see. And you know, being able to push into disagreements or hard things or challenging somebody or, or ways uh, and finding ways to do it that hopefully is not publicly humiliating or demeaning, uh, you know, um, and I think that that's the thing that shapes the way I try and interact with with people is just thinking about how would I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've had experiences as a player. I've had experiences as an assistant coach and um, some of which are really, really positive and some of which are not so positive. And so both of those you can learn from and reflect on, you know what, I, I didn't like um, this and I want to I want to make sure and not treat people that way. Um, and then sometimes you just react yeah. and you find yourself doing things that you wish you had never done. But, um, uh, that's, that's, what's beautiful about, you know, having a, a, a loving relationship where you can, you can push through and forgive and move on and talk th things through and, and continue to, to keep moving forward towards a goal. I imagine that's hard though, because there, there may be some players who respond to, Hey, I'm going to get on you and, and we're going to yell and scream. And then, all right, I, I got it. And there's some that may shut down that that's got to be a fine line to walk for, for both of you. Oh yeah. I could think of a few athletes where I had to treat them um, or really just coach them completely opposite um, from one another. And so I think that's what makes coaching really special. Um, it helps you figure out how to coach different athletes in different phases of life. Cause sometimes you have to coach them differently from their freshman year to their senior year. Right. And how you talk and communicate with them and whatnot. And, um, I have a few athletes who I can be really, really, really hard on and they know I love them and that's why they listen to me. And at the end of the year, they're just so grateful for everything that I've taught them and been able to help them through. Um, and, you know, I have some other ones where I have to be really soft and I have to really talk through things through and, and communicate very differently um, and really um, in depth. And that's how they understand it. And yeah. if that's how you understand it and you understand it the same way, but just going a different path, great. And if it sounds like I'm trying there, to deal with my kids, you know, sure. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Treat them the, the way they need to be treated. For sure. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's, I, I think you really learn from mistakes that you make. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I'd love to hear just if, as you look back, you even mentioned it, maybe you, you felt like 
times where perhaps you've said the wrong thing, but just we don't have to get in any specifics you don't want to. But I would love to know just looking back, like here's something that I wish I wouldn't done and maybe how you would do it differently or how you have done it differently when that situation arose again or, or um, let you guys take it wherever you want to take it. Yeah, that's a difficult uh, question to answer. And um, uh, I'm trying to think of specifics that to make it, you know, practical. And, um, uh, you know, I've had opportunities with players, you know, sometimes uh, five, ten years later that have, you know, come back and we've been able to have conversations about certain things and way I handled this or that and then been able to to hear and listen, you know, from them and um, – and, and see things from their, their point of view and be able to have a better appreciation for, um, you know, what they were going through and, and how that may affect the next person that comes along um, when I'm in a similar situation. So um, <clears throat> a lot of it comes down to being able to, to listen um, and, and be patient. Um, I think that's a, an important thing and sometimes a hard, hard thing. Um, I think it still says something that that player will come back five or 10 years, even if they had some sort of a disagreement with you. Um, and I, I mean, I've, that's my biggest, just as like a, a dad, I mean, when I react immediately, like I, I go back and I have to apologize to my kids are nine and four. I'm like, Hey, I, I should not have done this and should not have said this, but I guess that relationship is there. And so they'll come back. Um, but I, I, I feel like it still says something about the family aspect. Yeah. Uh, if they're coming back five, 10 years and having those, those types of conversations. Yeah. What, what about yeah. you, Callie? Just, the, the regrets and way maybe ways that you've you've grown so I my first thought is I just go back to my first year and they I was told multiple times it takes three to five years to build a program and we already had a really good foundation and so I was like okay I need to do this now I don't have three to five years mm. like I, I want to do this now and so um, I felt like I was really future focused which we all are as coaches you have to be um, because you're always planning ahead, but I wish I would have been a little bit more in those moments and lived more in those moments um, in those first couple years when they were really hard. My first two years were really hard um, comparatively to the last three that I've had. Um, not just because you know of like success or things, just like um, different challenges within the program itself and trying to build something and change things and evolve things. And so, um, I think I just, I wish I would have lived more in those moments with those girls and those athletes that we had, um, instead of being so focused for, well, I have to, we're, we're building, like we have three to five years, but like, I don't want to use those three to five years. I'm going to do this now. And so, um, really thankful for those years. Obviously that's, that's really propelled us into where we are now, but, yeah, just looking back, I'm like, I wish I would have taken a little bit more of those moments and allowed those hard moments to really grow me a little bit yeah. more than and not just look past it. Yeah, one more for both of you um, as we we finish up. And I, I want to end just thinking ahead for for both of you, just even just for this specific year. Um, you feel like you're trying to get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's been, uh, I guess, six out of the last eight years that, that you got missed last year. And I, I'm sure that that sticks in the crawl a little bit and you want to get back. What are you most excited about as you look ahead to, to your season that starts here in a, in a few months at the time of this, that we're recording this? Yeah, the opportunity to improve. Um, we were in a uh, extremely deep and, and difficult uh, conference. And as you mentioned, we, we didn't make the NCAA tournament this past year and we had had a, a string before that of doing so. And so f- in large part, we got a lot of the same core pieces back. And so figuring out, you know, what can we learn from last year's experiences and try and have uh, some different results and try and, you know, push push the bar a little bit farther and try and uh, go a little bit farther because I think there's definitely things to build on. 
uh, there and some I love the guys that we have and I think they're they're coachable and hardworking and um, and have talent and so you know figuring out for me as a coach you know how can I uh, manage mm. this group a little differently or what can we do differently to um, to maybe get back to that NCAA tournament and maybe make a, a deep run. Do you talk specific goals at all with your player? Like, hey, we want to win the conference or we want to be this seed or we want to win these, these many games or in, in the postseason. Is, is there any specific talk about that or is it just, hey, I want to go out there and just get better? We do uh, a little early on and we, we look at what are the opportunities and things, you know, that, that can be results towards mm-hmm. the end of the season that would be uh, realistic and goals to shoot for. And then we kind of hide them, you know, we put them away. And, and then we focus on what are the steps needed to get there? What do we need to do today to get a little bit better? How do we, how do we work towards those particular things? Um, but it's not something that we um, dwell on all the time. I, I know Roy Williams, when I was at Kansas, he would write out certain goals on a piece of paper of, of what he wanted that team to accomplish or what he thought was realistic, and then he'd fold them up, put them in an envelope, and bury it in his desk till the season was over uh, because then you get lost in the process mm-hmm. of how do we get better today? Um, and you can get uh, too emotional if the result is is the focus and you're you're losing sight of what's right in front of you. Um, and so right in front of you is how do we move the ball forward? What what can we do today to to get better um, and and to grow? Yeah. Now, Callie, for you, this is your sixth year. Am I right there? Uh, but going into the the first year with Stun as a as an NCAA sport, I'm sure that is what fires you up. But what specifically are you excited going into uh, th- this next season? Yeah. Um, so for the last few years, we've always had a really young team. And so now we have a very veteran team. So um, this is our most talented roster we've had yet. And so I'm really fired up about that. Lots of talent, but also um, lots of great leadership, lots of great, um, just fun athletes that um, love cheerleading, but love DBU, love the program, love being together. And so um fired up about the season and what we can accomplish, but more just excited about this group that we have that um, we have so many goals and things that we want to accomplish. But um, yeah, I just, I'm excited to see them together. I'm excited to see the journey and to enjoy the journey this year. And um, it's, yeah, it's going to be a great year. We're excited. How specifically do you think you're going to find yourself trying to just enjoy the journey and be present? Yeah, I think um, really focusing still more on that personal connection, like we always do, but um team bonding like it's there's 40 of us so like we we got to figure out how do we all love being with one another every single day pretty much through the fall and spring and so um we use the fall a lot to focus on that um since it's our technical off season so um doing different things within the um the fall to be able to um bring them closer together so that way they work really well together in the spring because we are a team sport like um you don't necessarily have to love each other outside of practice but like it's so much easier when you do whenever you get into practice and we can work together because we're throwing bodies in the air and you're catching them and they're flipping and it's a lot of dangerous things that we're doing and so that connection is really important so we focus a lot on that in the fall this has been awesome guys thank you so much thank you thank you